Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to Racing Boys. And if you ain't listening to him, you get out of the country because you're a communist. I love Racing Boys. Like Nader says, they make me happier than a tornado in a trailer park. You know, the funny thing about that is the Larry voice and the Mater voice are exactly the same. Get her done. It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys, brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We've got an excellent show lined up for you today. Chase Rodman. We're going to replay the Brad Sweet interview that we did um, last week. And also, Trent Berry is going to come on with us. And Mike Marler, who had a great weekend down in, in Charlotte. Kirk? Yeah, boy, championship weekend. No doubt about it. That was a, that was a great weekend down there at Charlotte. And um, I, I can't thank uh, Todd Surprise for, enough for helping us out here each and every day. And Marie checks in. She's always number one. I I can always count on Marie. A loyal viewer. L- let, me, let me just say something about Marie. Let me just say something about her. She always sends me news articles from the East Coast. I And I can't tell you how much I appreciate her doing that. She is she is so good at keeping me up to speed on what's going on out there in out there in PA, and um, she is just a, a a really a good person. Helps us stay up to date on what's happening. No doubt about out it. In PA, where we got a lot of fans that listen to the we show got, from we, out there. We got a lot of people yeah. that listen out there in Ohio, New Jersey, um, PA. We we've got a lot of listeners out in that area, so. We can't thank you enough for doing so. And, uh, Kirk, what did you think about this weekend? Well, Brad Sweet ended it up on a uh, about as good a note as you could ever imagine. Yes, we knew he was going to win the championship, or at least we thought he was going to wrap things up pretty easy. But I don't think anybody would have predicted that necessarily he would have closed it out by also winning Saturday night's feature event. But, that's exactly what uh, the big cat did on Saturday night. Right. He, he wins the championship by 60 points, Kirk. Yeah. What would you think about that? Well, he did, I, you knew that uh, where he started in his heat race on Saturday night, he was going to get a pretty good starting spot for the A-Main. Started second, ended up winning right. the race. And his daughter drew the number one for the dash. Right. I saw that. That was a big deal. Yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, Even though he didn't win the dash, Brian Brown won the dash, started on the pole. Uh, Let let me just say something about Blackjack Brian Brown. And you know we love him. He's one of our favorite drivers. And we always pull for Brian Brown whenever he starts on the front row. But he started on the pole and he ended up running 10th last during that race, Kirk. What what'd you think about that? Well, you know, he mentioned this during his interview when he was drawing for the dash that during the preliminary races, they've been running great. But for some reason, after the track rework, his car doesn't react to it very well. They thought they'd made some changes to the positive on Saturday night, but 
Uh, he faded during the A main. He led some laps in the A feature, but ended up in 10th place. Now, I know he's got a lot better race car than that, and this is a lot better driver than his finish would show, but I think a lot of it has to do with the track rework uh, seems to throw the 21 team into a little bit of a loop. Let me ask you this. Is Brian Brown a- of the age to where he needs to start thinking about retirement? No, I don't think so. Huh? I think he can still get it done. How old is how old is Blackjack Brian Brown? Do you, do we know? Uh, I am not sure about that. Right. I think he's in his 40s. He's in his 40s for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, but he just a few weeks coming off the Tuscarora 50 win at Port Royal Speedway. So he can still win big races. No doubt about and it. And he want, let's not forget that during the World of Outlaws weekend back in June at Knoxville, he won one race and finished second in the other. He's about 45 years old. Right. He's 45. 45 in that neighborhood. 44, yeah. 45, did, 46. Did you look that up? Yeah, I yeah. just looked it up. I don't, I don't have his birth date, so he might have already had a birthday. But, so, but, but he's let, let's just say this. That that is at the age to when you start thinking about retiring as a driver. And and, and listen, and, and to be honest with you, I think that Blackjack Brian Brown is going to be a hell of a car owner someday. Well, he already is a hell of a car owner. He, he is a hell of a car owner, but I'm telling you that he's going to be really good when he puts an, a, a young driver in, in his car. He's going to be exceptional at being a car owner when he puts a driver into his car. I think eventually that will happen, but I don't know if that will happen in the next uh, three or four years. Maybe it will, but I think he's still got some game in him yet. No, uh, I, let's I, not forget the competition level that he was going up against on Saturday night was pretty stellar, too. Well, yeah, you, you talk about Brad Sweet, Rico Abreu, um, uh, Logan Schuhart, Brett Marks, Tyler Courtney. Sheldon Hodgeshield, David Gravel, Carson Macedo, Hunter Schoenberg. Those are the guys that finished in front of Brian Brown. Yeah. And maybe they had just a better setup for the, that type of racetrack. Uh, but earlier in the night, I mean, there's a reason why Brian Brown started on the pole. He ran well enough during the preliminary races and qualified well enough to get himself in a great starting position. He, he won the know dash. that if the car set up right and uh, – you know, everything is according to plan. The 21 car can win races up front. I just think it had more to do with the so, setup of the race car. More than so else. in that dash, Brian Brown beat Brad Sweet, Brent Marks, Rico Abreu, Logan Schuhart, Justin Peck, Tyler Courtney, and Carson Macedo. Yeah. He did win the dash. He did the win he, the dash. Yeah. Right. But I think when some laps uh, get logged in the A feature, uh, either his car doesn't uh, react to the changes in the racetrack as well as some of the other guys do. I don't know, but that was the theme of Brian Brown and the 21 cards for all three nights this week. I'm going to say this, that I think in Brian Brown's mind that he's thinking about the future of his team and putting a young driver in his car. Well, I think, hasn't he mentioned that on a couple of occasions we've had him Absolutely. on? Absolutely. He kind of talked, but I, I still think uh, you've got two, three, four more years out of Brian Brown as a race car driver. I still think he, I think he believes he can still get it done behind the wheel. No, I, I would agree with you on that. 
And that big win at Port Royal Speedway here a few weeks back would be testimony to that. Yeah. But Brad Sweet is the one everybody is talking about after this World of Outlaw season, his fifth straight championship, and he wins the feature event on Saturday night. And, boy, how, how much better can you be wrapping up the championship by also winning the feature event? Let's just say this. There's a lot of people that are happy that Brad Sweet is going to move on to the High Limit Series. Would you agree with that, Kirk? His, co- his competitors that yeah. would may want to vie for that World of Outlaws title? Yeah, maybe like, so. Like David Gravel, Carson Macedo, Gio Selzy, Logan Schuhart. Maybe even a Donnie Schatz could win another championship. And there are a few fans in the stands from the sound of things when Brad crawled up on top of the uh, wing on Saturday night. Some they booze. would also love to see him move on. There, there was a lot of booze, wasn't there, Kurt? There were a few of them. But I, maybe that hey. has to do more with, hey, enough of this already. Hey, Let's hey, hey. They did boo Donnie Schatz at one time, and they booed, I think they even booed Steve Kinzer there somehow. When, too, when you're a multi-time champion, a five-time champion yeah. like Brad Sweet is, people start to boo because they don't want to see you win championships anymore. And there may be some other reasons why they're booing him, too. Why, I don't know. why would that be, Kurt? Well, may, maybe it's because of what he's do, he and Kyle Larson are doing with the High Limit Series. Any diehard World of Outlaw fans would not be happy with some of the things that Brad Sweet is how, doing. How many, how many people do you think that are upset with Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson that they're going to go head-to-head against the world of outlaws. Do you think there's a lot of people that – because you know in in today's world that there's a lot of loyal world of outlaw people sure. out there, right? Yeah. I think uh, maybe a lot of race fans are concerned about what this will do to the sport. Uh World of Outlaws had a great year, I thought. I thought the competition uh, hold, hold, hold was on. good. Let me Let me say this, Kurt. 410 sprint car racing has been making a comeback. No doubt. Here lately, right? Yeah. And, and I, I hate to say this because I'm a, I'm a loyal ASCS national tour guy, but the stars are over there with the World of Outlaws and the High Limits series. Do, do you feel like that um, people are, 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 are kind of going to turn on the High Limit Series, do you think people will turn on them? I think it all depends on how it all shakes out. I said on Saturday, I think there's room for both series. I think with the amount of money that's coming into the sport through live video and other sources, the money has gotten uh, uh, bigger uh, in sprint car racing. Let, let me say and this. And therefore, I believe the pie can grow, not be what it's been. I think that will bring more participation, not leave it the same. Can High Limit coincide with the world of outlaws? I believe it can because I believe the money will be there for more people to want to participate, and there'll be room for both. Could this fracture 410 racing as we know it right now? Could, could this fracture it up a little bit, maybe? Uh, we've seen the history would tell us, yeah, that that is definitely a possibility because we've seen challengers to the world of outlaw supremacy in the past. 
And we've seen how that all works out. But right. that was before the days of live video and the revenue that that brings into the sport. Right. All you have to do is look over to what's gone on in dirt late model racing, and they were ahead of the game. They were ahead of sprint car racing in terms of the amount of money that was available to these drivers. And the World of Outlaw Late Model Series have coexisted with the Lucas Oil Late Model Series for some years now, and a lot of people would question, why can't that be the same for sprint car racing? The reason it hasn't worked in the past, because you have only a few amount of teams that have the wherewithal to be able to travel the whole World of Outlaw season and compete at a high level with the finances the way it was in the past. Well, if you get more video revenue coming in, High Limit Series with the backing of Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet and Flow Racing with the amount of money that that can generate means that more money is going to be available to these 410 sprint car racers than we've seen challengers to the world of outlaw supremacy in the past. So I think things are different right. now. More money is going to be available, and I think we're just going to see how this all plays out over the next months, years of high limit going up against the world of outlaws. Uh, uh, Marie brings up a good question. She thinks the Lucas Oil Series is better than the world of outlaws. What do you think is better? Uh, I think so because they've got more high-paying events on the Lucas Oil Late Model Series. The crown jewel events that they have under their banner is more so than what the World of Outlaws can put out. Now, on the other side of it, with sprint car racing, it's going to be very hard for the High Limit Series to have the high-profile events that the World of Outlaws have produced in the past. And there was an announcement made over the weekend and I think Johnny Gibson or somebody said this, that there are four 100-plus-to-win races next year on the World of Outlaws Tour. Knoxville Nationals, I got to believe the high limit, the high bank Nationals at Houston Speedway would be one. Right. Kings Royal would be the other. Uh, I, I still look for Tony Stewart to uh, continue as he has with the Kings Royal being a World of Outlaw race. We'll see about that. Will the National Open increase their pay from $75,000 to win to $100,000 to win? I don't know, but the word was out on Saturday that the World of Outlaws will have four $100,000-plus win to win races next year. Let me ask you this, Kurt. Do you think that Tony will sell Eldora eventually? Do you think he'll sell it? I don't think in the near term he will. I don't see any indication of that happening. Mm. I would I would say that he will probably uh, divest his interest in the NASCAR teams before he'll sell Eldora Speedway. That's my thought about yeah, there's a. I tend to agree with you on that. Yeah, I think that he'll sell his NASCAR team before he, he gets out because he, he's so involved in drag racing right now. You know what I mean? And his racetrack. And so. I think that he would like to own a top fuel dragster. Would we, you? Agree? He owns one now. His wife drives it. <laughs> you you're saying that uh, he uh, might participate in driving a top fuel dragster. He might. He already owns a top fuel drive. He might drive it. Yeah. He might drive it himself. I, there's rumors. What do you that, think about that? Yeah, there's rumors that Ju- Dale Jr. and Tony Stewart, because he owns how many of those 
what do they call those things that the licenses that they own you know that you sell so right in the nascar well they got three teams in the Na- the Stuart haas racing has three cup teams yeah Tam- tammy's checked in she says hello boys so I, I do s- think the National Open will pay one hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I'm next thinking year. so. Yeah, I'm thinking that's one of those four one hundred thousand dollars to win races, mm-hmm. the National Open at Williams Grove. But Tony Stewart celebrated a NASCAR championship over the weekend with his driver Cole Custer winning the Xfinity Series championship, and Tony Stewart was on the stage celebrating. He was there celebrating that championship by Cole Custer over the weekend. So. I'm not sure that he's ready to fully divest himself of the NASCAR teams. He said, what was that, about a year ago, I'm so done with NASCAR? Yeah, he was. I'm not sure he's so done with them He yet. had some choice words for some of the people that were racing in that truck race, though, too, if you noticed in that. You, you heard something he goes. Yeah. <laughs> he said tonight. What did he say? Well, he was like. I didn't watch the truck race. Maybe the truck those ra- truck drivers can learn a lesson or two about the racing that went on here with Cole Custer winning the championship. That was a crash fest on Friday it night. A, we talked about insane. that on Saturday morning. That right. truck race on Friday night was a crash fest. They had 29 laps of overtime racing. Those guys uh, had a lot of trouble getting it to do, the end. Do, do and you, the, the Xfinity race was a lot better. Hey, and I think that's the point that Tony Stewart was you making. Think, you think Tony Stewart's going to want to drive a top fuel act, um top fuel dragster at some point maybe yeah why wouldn't he want to do that the thrill of driving one of those cars is unbelievable but he also to run a four second quarter mile right, right? he also understands how difficult that is right uh, his wife's pretty good behind the wheel of one of the not so good the last race when she was a little bit late at the starting line uh, losing in the first round at Las Vegas. But he understands even driving that top alcohol dragster, how difficult that is. I'm not sure that he is in any rush to get behind the wheel of one of those top fuel dragsters, but uh, or maybe if he'll ever do that. M- Marie says that the truck race was like a bad freeway accident. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That was uh, that was a crash fest. Yeah. Ben Rhodes is the guy that came out on top on that deal. It just never ended, and like you said, Tony, you could tell how disgusted Tony was with as a as an owner of like you guys don't even. I mean, and I told my wife when we were watching it, my daughter, she was there. I was watching. We were watching a little bit of the NASCAR. You know, it's the last race, guys. You know, things are the people. It's a very long season. We've talked about how long this season is. It's stretched out so long now. These guys, it's over with. They're just, it's like, you know what? If I have a chance, I mean, you saw the press conference with Blaney last night. He, People asked him, if, you know, because Ross Chastain wouldn't get out of the way. And he said, did you hit him? He's like, F yeah, I hit him. Of course I right, hit him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was no no doubt what but he did. But Ryan Blaney didn't have to worry about hey, Ross Chastain. Yeah. But, but listen, Kyle Larson kind of rubbed on Blaney as well. Yeah. Didn't he? Well, you got to do what he, he you got to do. We got a championship to win. Well, I, I, I get that, but you don't want to wreck somebody no. to, to win the championship. And they didn't wreck each other. Right. So. But, but they leaned on each other. Right. But Tony Stewart, didn't. Ha- he was just making an observation on the truck race. He doesn't own a truck team. But he was just making the observation right. after what he saw on Friday night. Rightly so. And rightly so, he should be proud of his driver, Cole Custer, for the way he drove 
to win that Xfinity Series championship right. on Saturday night. He did a great job. Yeah, yeah no you doubt. You know damn well that as an owner on an, uh, in an upper-tier series, you're not going to hire one of those guys that go in there willy-nilly and just crashing all the stuff up at the end of the year right, because yeah, yeah. that's, you know, it's like, why would you give a guy like that? So, of course, Cole Custer, like he said, he, he gave him all the praises in that deal because right. he, he raced a great race. And here's another reason why Tony Stewart should be very proud of Cole Custer, and he is. If Cole Custer got demoted after last year when he got cut out of that cup ride for Ryan Priest. Right. And so Cole Custer... He he was licking his chops. He went back down into the uh, Xfinity Series and put his head nose to the grindstone and worked hard to becoming an Xfinity Series champ. You know what? That's going to pay big dividends for Cole Custer. He's going to find himself back in a cup ride very soon, just the way he handled himself this weekend at Phoenix. No doubt about it. Uh, Tammy chimes in. She says, money buys a ride in the truck series. Never heard of any most of these drivers in the series. That's true. Uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, there was a. You, the, the, if you're going to buy a ride in a series, you're going to buy it in the truck series to get you, get a name for yourself. Yeah, there was right? another. There was another somebody else in that in racing that said the same thing. I'd never heard of some of these guys, and I've been watching racing many years, and I haven't heard heard of some of these guys. So S Scotty Cook's chiming in. He says. Hi, boys. Of course, Smoke wants to drive a top fuel dragster and will drive a dragster, in in my opinion. I I think, uh, yeah, eventually maybe he'll try that for a full season. I don't know. Uh, right now, he's supporting his wife driving a top fuel dragster. Right. So she But she why, is the why one. couldn't he have two of them? Well, maybe eventually he might and go out there and compete against his wife. How do you think that's going to go down? Only if he beats her. <laughs> All well, right. His, his funny car driver, Matt Hagen, is probably going to be the champion in funny car. Yep, so no doubt about he's it. He's got that to celebrate. Too. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Chase Rodman is going to join us here on the show. And the show's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. For uh, Todd Surprise, for Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer. We'll be back in a moment with more of Mostly Motorsports. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rodins, radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodinsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that to build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rodins, radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. 
Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Let me just tell you how great of a job Chase Rodman did down there at uh, during the broadcast down there at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway's dirt track. Chase, you did a great job, bud. I, I, I can't even tell you how good of a job that you did down there. Well, uh, I appreciate that. It was, it's a little easier, though, when you got, you know, what we had. I think we had one, two, like eight voices on the broadcast. So, you know, uh, I feel like when you combine all those things together, it makes us all look good. So uh, yep. it was a lot of fun, though. So 170-something cars showed up. And, man, uh, obviously I pay attention to the sprint car stuff, and I feel like almost every single race this last weekend was really good, especially that final one. That was uh, a really good run by by Brad Sweet up there to get by Rico. Uh, it, it was amazing the race between I, I think it was uh, Logan Shuhart, Rico, Brent Marks was sprinkled in there a little bit, and Brad Sweet. That that was a fantastic race, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know the whole week uh, it was kind of the same song and dance, right? I mean, right before the feature, they would. They do a lot of track work, and you know the fans in the grandstands would be yelling, "Hey, let's get this show on the road!" And you know, dr and people are wondering what the heck they're doing, this and that, and everybody's worried about it taking rubber. But man, they, you know, they've got a formula down. They've got the the secret figured out at Charlotte. They know exactly what they got to do to give it a good race. Right. And that track prep paid off every single time. Um, you know, it looked like Rico was going to be the guy uh, on Saturday night, but then here comes Brad, just you know rolling right around those infield tires and I, I feel like we haven't seen that very much this year where guys rolling around the infield like that and, and right. making it work so man that was it was so much fun to watch him do that uh because you know we hear all these guys most of the time saying all most races this year but one on the top you know and brad just uh right. was able to snuffer him on the bottom so that was really cool to see just a high and low battle one guy selling some t-shirts on the high side one guy you know paying the tire bill on the bottom and what a way for Brad to go out, you know, right. you know what they say, the, the walk-off, the win and the championship in one night. Uh, uh, Brad Sweet, he just creeped around the bottom all weekend, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, when he had to go to the top, he, you know, he did. Uh, and I feel like on Thursday night, the one, the gravel one, uh, Brad had found the bottom first and was making the moves. Uh, but then, you know, lap traffic came into play and he had to get up off the bottom. But I feel like if he never left it, he probably would have won on Thursday night, too. Uh, being that first guy to find it, but he showed gravel where it was at, and he was able to uh, to win on Thursday. But yeah, Brad was strong all week. I mean, fourth, fourth, and first, uh, extremely consistent uh, when it mattered most of the championship on the line. Is anybody surprised that he had those kind of finishes? Because that's what he's done all year to win the championship, right? He, he's always up there around the top five, just week in and week out, right? Yeah, I'd have to look and see, but I would say his average finish is probably around fifth or sixth, I'd say, for the entire, you know, 80 races or whatever that we had ran. 
Um, and that's what it takes, you know. I mean, he had a couple of moments where, you know, it looked like they were going to falter and he was going to finish outside the you know, top ten or not even finish the race at all. You know, I remember back to 81 Speedway, I think it was. He had a flat tire late in the race. They were able to fix that, and he got back out there. Um, I want to say uh, he had an issue maybe at Ogilvy Raceway where he had to come into the work area. Uh, they got back out there. And then, obviously, the, the latest one and the most important one probably was the Devil's Bowl when they had that big wreck. They, then they had a flat tire later on, still able to come back and finish, I want to say, seventh or eighth. You know, it just goes to show how good they are uh, and how, you know, just Brad knows how to win a championship. you got to turn right. a, a night where it looks like you're going to run, you know, 10th and you, you somehow make it run 7th. Or you, it looks like it's going to be a DNQ or a right. DNF, and, and you somehow run 12th. You know, they were just so good at that. He's been able to do that for the last five years. And, and uh, well, who's going to do it next year is my question. Right. Uh, Marie, one of our loyal listeners, she's, she's chimed in. She said Rico made a boo-boo on, the last, on that last lap. What did you think about that? Well, you know, I mean, he had to try something, right? I mean, he said in his interview that his car just wasn't working as well on the inside. And with how well Brad was running, there was no way he was going to pass him. So he had to keep running the top and, uh, you know, probably try to – he probably was on the gas a little bit more than he was off of two on that last lap to try and put something together for the last corner and just hopped over the cushion, which we saw several guys do this weekend and caused some issues. But, uh, yeah, he – had a little mistake there off of turn two, and that was uh, enough to seal the deal for Brad. But a good weekend for Rico also. Two seconds, and I think he was eighth the other night. So he had a solid weekend as well. Hey, uh, Chase, I'm not sure how many fans appreciate how difficult this is to prep a racetrack for an event like this, which is very unique. You got the big block modifieds, late models, and sprint cars all on one track. And the number of cars and the number of laps, and to try to keep this track as good as it it is. I thought they did a, as good a job as I've seen since they started this event at the dirt track in Charlotte. Of, I would uh, agree. Keeping, keeping up with the racetrack, which is a real challenge. Well, and they, you know, the track has caught some slack over the last, I would say, four, three or four years. You know, there was that one year where it was a complete dust bowl. You know, I mean, we literally, the only way people were able to watch on Dirt Vision was because of our drone that was sitting in the middle of the track, like yeah. way up high in the sky. Um, I was out in, the, out in the work area for that one. I literally couldn't even see the race. Uh, and then there's obviously been some other ones where it's taken rubber and things like that. But uh, And, you know, they've heard those they, – they remember back to those races. They've heard the complaints. They've heard the suggestions from people all over the, you know, racing industry on how they can make it better, and, and they did. I mean, like you said, there's so many cars there, so many different tire types and so many different car types. Um, it's a lot for them to, to hang on to. And, you know, they did have some some moments this weekend where people were kind of scratching their head and maybe caused some issues with, you know, leaving the tires out a lane off the bottom for the sprint car heat races and things like that. But I would say overall the sentiment after the weekend was over was, man, these guys just they, – they did a really good job. Um, gave the – each – I mean, I didn't really watch the late model race, I don't know, on Friday or Thursday – or, I mean, yeah, on those two nights. But Saturday's race, I mean, Ricky Thornton Jr. got going on the top. It was exciting. Uh, the, the big blocks, that track's kind of tough for them to, to get going. Uh, they were kind of just around the bottom and in the middle. But, uh, you know, sprint cars and late models, man, they had a great track every single night, and you really can't ask for much more. Uh, let's talk about that uh, feature on Friday night where Brent Marks barely held off Justin Peck. What a finish that was. Yeah, really, it was a really good race as well. And I thought... You know, Friday's race with Marks and Peck, I didn't think that could be topped. But 
you know, I think the one between uh, Brad and Rico was was equally as good, maybe better. But yeah, this race with with Marks and, and Tech was um, was really awesome. You know, that night the the outlaw drivers were completely shut out of the dash. You know, all eight drivers in the dash, none of them were with the outlaws. So that was something uh, I asked our PR guy Alex Meaden if that had happened all year, and he said no. And I couldn't find anybody that even found the last time that it happened. You know, so. Just goes to show the depth of the field that was there at Charlotte. You know, I mean, 53 cars showed up, and a lot of them were were super super fast. So, yeah, it would have been awesome to see Justin Tech get that first win with the Outlaws, especially after that tough year that he's had with a couple big wrecks and only getting two wins all year. Um, but uh, you know, he was close. So I think that team next year they're gonna. I think he's gonna get one next year for sure. He's finally gonna get knock one off. But right. Uh, you know, and then at the end, I don't know if you guys listened to the interview, but he had no idea the race was even over. You know, he going into turn one after the checker, he slid by Brent. And he thought the race was still going, um, and then come to find out, you know, the race was over a lot before that, uh, and he right. finished second. So tough for him to see the flag stand, I guess. But man, great race between those two. Really wish Tech could have pulled it off and uh, finished his year off on a high note. David Gravel, he he wins the last chance showdown. And he ends up running seventh. Could he have been the fastest car on the racetrack, you think? He could have, yeah. I wasn't really paying attention to him, to be honest with you guys. I watched him maybe for the first five laps, and then once the race up front got going, uh, that was kind of hauling or, you know, kind of uh, taking all my attention away from watching Gravel make his way up through the field. So I didn't even know he had ran seventh, honestly. So, uh, wow. No, And then there was no yellows. In every single sprint car race this week for the features, there was not a single caution. And every night we had some guy going at least plus 10. You know, McFadden on the first night, he went 26 to 6. Donnie went 23rd to uh, 10th one night. And then obviously uh, David went 23rd to 7th. So that right there just goes to show you how good the racetrack was every night. But if you can't, if you can pass more than 10 cars on track, uh, right. they've got something going on the right way. The only bad incident of the whole weekend was uh, that the scary wreck that Zeb Wisen was involved in when the throttle stuck on that race car. That was frightening. Yeah, it was a, a really sketchy moment there for sure. Um, and I, I saw a picture or two afterwards, saw the replay, and, man, he hit that cage at you know the worst possible angle you can, the worst way for a sprint car wreck to happen, hit that concrete wall on the top of the cage like that, and, uh, man, it was a sketchy, it was a scary moment. You know, I was standing down there uh, trying to assess the situation, trying to, you know, help clean up debris and stuff while they were tending to him. And, um, you know, I was talking to his, his crew chief, Tyler Tessmaker, who was down there on the track uh, surveying everything as he was getting extracted from the car. And he told me that Zeb had told him, you know, that he could have gotten out of the car himself. Uh, but, you know, due to the circumstances, him getting knocked out and, the, the you know, the, the severity of the wreck, uh, they took all the – necessary precautions to just make sure that he didn't have a back injury or something and got him out of there, you know. So um, still, he got extremely lucky for sure. He had quite a big, uh, you know, bump on his head, uh, on his forehead kind of from the incident, and but you know, maybe a concussion or whatever, you know. So he got out of that pretty well unscathed for what it looked like. It was going to be much worse than, than what, uh, you know, the, um, the uh, you know, what the ending result was. It looked like it was going to be much worse. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, Brian Brown started on the pole of the feature. He, he wins the dash, and he just he just went backwards. A and he did that about e each and every night that he, he was in that race. 
he kind of went backwards a little bit. He's 45 years old. Do you think that it's I, – I hate to put you on the spot right here, but do you think it's time for Brian Brown to hire a driver and, and put a young stud in his car? Do you think it's time for, for him to do that? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. You know, he talked in a dash draw one night that his car just didn't seem to handle very well when it came to that fresh rework right before the feature rolled off. And yep. you know, the track's dirty. It's it's dusty. It's um, you know, it's changing a lot early on in that feature or in each feature. And that was kind of where he talked about his car struggling a little bit. You know, he seemed like he was good in the heat races and qualifying and everything. I mean, obviously he was able to put in the dash two nights, so. Um, I don't think he's anywhere near being done. He got it. What I think he got an outlaw win earlier this year at um, Tuscarora, Knoxville, and, Knoxville. Yeah, Knoxville, and he had a couple other good runs here and there yeah. throughout the throughout the year. I think he's still got plenty of years with him. I mean, I don't think he's going to retire, guys, until he uh, wins the Knoxville. Now. I mean, if he's seventy-eight years old, I don't think he's going to retire. Right. I'm I'm with you. I think he's I'm still with got you. it. I I think it had more to do with the track rework just didn't reacting well to his race car because he had a fast race car and he ran fast in the preliminary. Hey, when you win a dash the way he did was pulling away and he led the early laps of that feature the other night. I th- I think it has more to do with uh, with the track conditions than anything else. And he won the Tuscarora. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean that's just oh, a yeah. few weeks ago he did that. Right. So he can still do. Yeah, it. and then, I mean that field he beat there at Tuscarora. Uh, hey, listen, no if slouch. if Brian Brown is listening to the show right now, he is not liking what you're saying. Uh, he, he's probably not liking. No. What, he's probably not liking what I'm <laughs> saying. But I, I'm going to tell you, I I still believe Blackjack Brian Brown can win at the highest level. I do too. Yeah. I I mean he, he has won at the highest level. So Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's I'm with Chase. He can still get it done. Yeah, there there's no doubt about it in my mind that, you know, I mean obviously he's he's better at some tracks than he is others. I mean he's won at Charlotte with the Outlaws before. He's you know, won at a bunch of tracks with the Outlaws before, obviously. But you know, obviously there's some places he goes to that aren't quite his style. You know, I feel like he's more of a half-mile type guy, you know, or, or a bigger track kind of guy. When it comes to the smaller stuff, that's not really his cup of tea. He likes to keep the car straight, keep the car, you know, uh, high-momentum tracks, I feel like, are kind of more his style. So uh, I think he could still get it done at, all, at any of those half-mile tracks at this point in time. I mean, there's – I mean, maybe a little bit of production has fallen off slightly for him, but, I mean, he's still got – I mean, a huge win, maybe the biggest win of his career just this year, you know, so he's still going strong. All right, we heard a lot of things over the weekend about uh, the future, uh, what lies ahead. Uh, we know that this High Limit Series has got some big plans in the future, but uh, all indications are the world of outlaws is are still going to be around for a long time to come with the announcement that uh, you're going to have – at no fewer than $400,000 plus to win races on the schedule next year. Yeah, that's what uh, Johnny had said at the at the uh, race there on the PA system. So he must have a little bit more insider information than I do. Uh, and, you know, I'm not worried, guys, about no. the future of the Outlaws. I'm really not, you know. Um, we've seen this story before a couple times, and we've seen how it ended, you know. So... Uh, I'm not saying that it's going to end the same way or it's going to last the same amount of time, but, uh, you know, and here's what I'll say about the situation is, you know, the the World of Outlaws is the biggest name, the biggest brand 
no doubt. Um, in in dirt track racing, right? I mean, the, my prime example for this type of thing is like if you go to Volusia for Dirt Car Nationals, um, and I noticed that this year was, you know, the first two nights of Dirt Car Nationals are the nations, but it's all of the same drivers that are going to be there for the World Outlaws portion, right? And there's like maybe a thousand people in the grandstands, you know. As soon as it's a World Outlaws sanctioned race, it, the grandstands are completely jam-packed. No I mean, doubt. that just goes to show the brand recognition that people have with, with the series. You know, and, uh, you know, I keep hearing, you know, and I've, I agree with this as well, if the World Outlaws have five bad years, you know, if they're in the red as far as profits go or whatever, they're still going to be around. You know, it's, it's a legitimate company. It's, you know, a big-time company. It's been around for a long time. If they have five bad years, they're still going to be around. Can High Limit go five bad years and still be around? Right. You know, can they go two years let, and, and let, be in the red? You let, know? let me ask you this here real quick, because 410 Racing has been making a comeback this year, right? In the last couple of years, they've been making a comeback. 360 Racing is kind of uh, kind of dying on the vine a little bit, just a little bit, because they don't have the stars over there that they have with the world of outlaws. But in, in my eyes, is there any chance that this could fracture 410 Racing a little bit with the High Limit Series, and with the World of Outlaws, do you think there's any chance that this could fraction, uh, uh, fracture a little bit of the uh, the 410 racing? I think it certainly will. Uh, um, you know, I think the biggest talking point that people are, are you know, kind of discussing is mostly in Ohio. That's where I'm at right now. But, like, the, the 410 sprint car racing scene in Ohio, obviously the All-Stars are – a huge part of Ohio racing, obviously Ohio Sprint Speed Week. Um, they race there. Uh, they race in the state a bunch, you know, and they kind of keep everybody. You know, you, you they all take you know Attica and Fremont and and Wayne County and all these tracks. They take off their weekly points racing when the All Stars come to town, and it's a big deal for everybody to show up to those races, right? But that, I mean, and people on Facebook seem to think that it's not going to change. They think it's still going to be more of a regional series. You know, that's kind of what the all-stars were. They weren't a right, national right. tour series. They didn't go to California, all this stuff. They went to Ohio, PA, New York, a little bit of Missouri, a little bit maybe Illinois as well, maybe a little bit of Wisconsin. Uh, and I feel like people still are still under the impression that that's what it's going to be. That's not going to be what the all-stars are anymore. And right. a guy like Cy Lynch is a prime example. He was set to do a full year of All-Stars in 2024, but now Cy Lynch is not going to be able to go to California and, and Washington State and all these other things that are kind of being rumored, right? He, he's not a guy that can afford to do all that stuff, right? So um, it's definitely going to change the landscape a lot uh, of sprint car racing. The All-Stars had their place in, in racing on that totem pole, right? Uh, obviously, that's kind of the feeder series into the World of Outlaws. But they had that spot to where it was like a great place for a guy like a Cy Lynch, uh, you know, like a Chris Windham or a Connor Morrell or a guy like that that can experience a, a pretty hefty schedule of races but not have to travel nearly as much to get that experience in and, and race against tough competition, right? And now that's not going to be a thing anymore. Well, who right. is going to take that position of a regional series that – you know, goes to a, a lot of tracks, right, but not, uh, you know, a super long distance away 
across the country. I mean, I don't really know. Um, you know, we see all these series coming out with the Maverick deal, and there was another one. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now, but there was another one that's kind of coming out, it sounds like, in Ohio. Um, so I don't know. I think it's – I don't know. I hear a lot of people saying it's a bad deal. Some guys saying it's good. Some are un- indifferent, you know. But the, for the most part, it sounds like people aren't exactly too happy with the all-stars, quote-unquote, going to a national deal. It's just going to really affect a lot of stuff out here. Well, the uh, way I think about it is that the all-stars uh, does not fill that void that they've filled for all these many years. And as uh, many 410 sprint car teams there are in the state of Ohio and in Pennsylvania, somebody else will step in to fill that void. Uh, you, you know what I, I believe? I believe that more drivers are going to defect to the world of outlaws than they are the high limit series. That's what I, my, my theory is that the more, more drivers are going to go to the world of outlaws because they can and versus going to the high limit series, because I'm telling you, I, I just don't have a good feeling about it. Yeah. And what you, that last sentence you just said is what a lot of people are saying. They don't have a good feeling about it. You know, um, I, I don't know all the details behind the scenes. You know, I, I hear something, maybe the schedule for those guys might be released, released on Tuesday. So tomorrow, um, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but that's just kind of the rumors rolling through the pit area this last weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing is, is if somebody leaves the Outlaws, obviously Brad's leaving, we know that. But if, like, let's just say, like, a Spencer Basin leaves or a Brock Fox leaves and goes to high limit, I can imagine that we'll get guys to fill those positions. I mean, who's going to not – who's going to – that's a, a good team. Like, a prime example would be Justin Peck, right? He sees those three guys leave. He says, well, hey – there's three positions every single night that I can have, and there's three spots in the point standings right there that I can, you know, be ahead of or, or whatever, you know. And then there's going to be two other guys that want to fill those other two spots because they're thinking the same exact thing. I don't think that – I think next year the Outlaws are still going to have, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 full-time drivers. And they're, they're going to be the best in the country. No matter what, you're going to lose a couple maybe here and there. I don't know the benefit side of things for, for the high limit or whatever, uh, but I did hear some rumblings, you know, th- this week about the the owners meeting with the outlaws, where the numbers are getting bumped up significantly. So when that all comes out, um, you know, it's going to be game on, man. It's going to be a war this this off season for who's going where, what's going on. Um, and I, I also say this, you know. And this is just rumor, right? But I heard that fifth place in points with the with the high limit is eighty thousand dollars in championship points, right? Now, tenth place, this you know we went to the banquet last night. Tenth place in points with the Outlaws, I want to say was just under like ninety thousand dollars for tenth, and that was Brock Deerfoss. Brock Deerfoss finished tenth in points, didn't have a win, and had less than ten top fives, and was able to get a, a ninety thousand dollar check for running tenth. If he leaves, you know there's going to be some guys that are trying to swoop in and, and cash in a check for that uh, next year. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I just, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach. I think 410 sprint car racing is in a good place right now. And uh, I, I, I would agree. I think that things will have a way of shaking itself out. Uh, but listen, the world of outlaws is the king of, 
of 410 racing right now. Yeah. Right? Now, over 45 years they built up that brand. Right, no so doubt. That, that, you know, there's something to be said about that. that. It's not going away tomorrow. No, it isn't. All right, Chase, we can't thank you enough for being on each and every week with us here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Um, we can't wait to have you on next year, and we, we hope that you'll come back and join us next year on the show. Yeah, I absolutely will, guys. Uh, it was fun uh, talking on Mondays and recapping uh, all the action with the Little Outlaws uh, this, this last season. So I appreciate you choosing me to be the guy to do that, and uh, I, I'm already looking forward to, to next year. You know, obviously it will be nice to have a, some time off here, but uh, I'm sure here in about a month I'll be ready to get back after it. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be back here to talk on, uh, on Monday night or Monday afternoons. Uh, I always look forward to it. Hey, listen, if there's any breaking news, get with us, all right? Just let us know if there's <laughs> yeah. any breaking news out there, all right? You guys will be my first call. All right. Thank you, bud. Thanks, Appreciate Chase. It. Thanks, Chase. All right. See ya. There you have it. Chase Rodman joining us here on Mostly Motorsports. Are we going to do the Brad Sweet next? Um, we, yeah, we could probably do – that's up to Kirk. What time did you say, Mark Marlowe? Uh, I said uh, 115 to 120. So we, time, we, somewhere in there. we should be able to get this mainly yeah. almost all the way in. All right. So let's, let's do it. When we come back, we'll just we'll play this Brad Sweet thing and take a break, and then we'll go Mar Mike Marlowe. All right. Let's do that. We'll be back with more Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more Mostly Motorsports. Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do 
stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod M Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod M Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod M Supply is an assortment of Rod M's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod M Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodmsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Kirk, we had a chance to talk with Brad Sweet the other day. Yeah, this interview that uh, aired first live on Saturday morning, uh, we did the interview before the racing over the weekend. But the interesting comments about Brad Sweet, some insight about the future. And we decided to play the whole interview again today. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, this is from Brad Sweet, the five-time World of Outlaw champion. Visiting us with us now is 
a four-time champion with the World of Outlaws. Brad Sweet joins us now. Brad, how you doing? Good. Yep, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, man, we, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here on the show. Um, it's a, a big weekend down there in Charlotte. Let's Let's start off by talking about this weekend, and you're trying to pick up your fifth championship. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we'd like it to be a little less stressful <laughs> if we had a bigger lead, but you certainly want to have a lead going in. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you control your own destiny. So now it's just time to execute, and hopefully, uh, you know, we can have a good, solid weekend and, and close it out. It's been a long year. Uh, it's been a pretty good year for us. We've had some ups and downs, but obviously to be a champion, uh, you know, that's, that's the goal every year is to try to win the championship. So just happy we're in a position to, you know, to, to compete for it, and hopefully we can go down there and execute. I, I was at Devil's Bowl, and, man, that car, when you had that wreck on the front straightaway, that car was a mess. The top wing, the nose wing, the front axle was knocked out of it. That that was a miracle that you got that car back out, and you ended up running seventh. That was pretty good job, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've said for a long time, I mean, uh, it's the bad nights that win you the championship. You know, it's how, how you get through adversity or how you overcome, you know, things like that. And uh, obviously sometimes you get lucky. Um, you know, it's, there was some unfortunate stuff with tow trucks and, and things like that that allowed us, you know, more time to work on our race car. And, and that was just uh, sheer luck on our end. Uh, you know, preparation, you know, these guys with the Snap Auto Parts car, they're, they're prepared for every situation. So, uh, there was no doubt when we ended up with a little extra time that, in my mind, that we were going to get back out on the track. And, you know, my mind shifted from, you know, uh, salvage mode to, you know, obviously, you know, try to get back and, and get as many positions as we could once we get out there. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, I felt like uh, they did a great job. Obviously, it was unfortunate we got wrecked, but uh, whenever you can, you know, take such a bad night, you know, or, or what could have potentially been a, you know, really really bad night and turn into a seventh place finish um you know that's that's obviously really good for us right i i remember tim crawley trying to help you down there in in the pits and you turned around and and an official said something to you about not allowing him to come in there and help you with the car that frustrated you a little bit didn't it (laughs) Uh, i mean i talked to that uh you know wrg um person after the races it was it was more of a miscommunication than anything um you know there was fans kind of jumping in and you know i think just from liability purposes and you know obviously not knowing who you know every face is i think they were just trying to make sure that the crew guys were the only ones working on the cars you know people that are that are qualified to to be touching these cars and um you know i had been you know i know tim well and he was he was helping us out and i was appreciating that so I, I was just, you know, letting the official know that he was fine to, to be helping us because we could use every help, you know, all the help we could get at that point. So, you know, just heat of the moment type type things. I mean, obviously, you know, we're we're battling hard for a championship. And, right. uh, you know, we, we want to get the car back on the track. So we were using every means necessary to, to accomplish that. So let, let me ask you a question. You, you're trying to win your fifth championship. Have, have you put any thought to – trying to go six in a row. I know Steve Kinzer did six in a row. He did it from 83 to 88. Um, it, that's probably not in your mind right now, is it? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Uh, no, it's literally just trying to, trying to you know, finish this, this one out. And then, 
obviously who knows what next year brings, you know, um, got a lot of different irons in the fire and, um, you know, just excited that, uh, like I said, the snap auto parts car has, has a chance for five in a row. I think that's a, a pretty big accomplishment if we can pull it off and, you know, it's been a lot of hard work and a lot of grinding to, to get us in this position. So we definitely want to close it out on a, on a high note here. Hey, Brad, uh, you, you know, you look very comfortable with the headset on as a promoter. Do you feel like uh, you're liking this promoter gig maybe a little bit more than the driving? Or uh, the, how, how do you see yourself in the future, more promoter than driver? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. You know, obviously, as a race driver, you know that you can only drive for, you know, so long. And so I've always had it in my mind that, you know, I want to explore other things, you know, so I, you know, I know what I'm going to do before I get to the point where, you know, I'm not a not the same level that I, you know, I am in my prime. Um, you know, so obviously I love sprint car racing. I love uh, the business side of it, just kind of what I gravitated towards. So, um, you know, obviously we took the track over, we started the series, and you know, I think I like the idea of you know trying to elevate the sport and using my experiences and my passion and knowledge to try to you know, try to make the sport bigger and better, um, you know, in, in a lot of different aspects. So, uh, yeah, I like that side of it. I like the challenge. I like something that's, you know, a little different because, you know, race driving is, is what my first passion was and is, and, and it's what I want to do from when I was a little boy. But, you know, as you get older, um, you know, you have to, to kind of start thinking about what the future holds. And, and obviously, um, you know, I can get excited about, you know, trying to help the next generation of drivers you know, and, and create, you know, better opportunities for them. Yeah. Um, the All-Stars typically run between 50 and 60 races. Do you, do you feel like you're going to have that many races with the High Limit Series? Yeah, we have some good and we have some exciting announcements coming up. Um, obviously, don't want to, uh, you know, spoil the excitement in the news. So right. uh, I don't really want to say exactly what our plans are. And, and some of it is just because we, we don't know exactly, you know, we, we we know for the most part, but but when we announce everything, um, you know we want it to be exciting for everybody, and there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, um, you know, so that we can get to a point where we where we announce what we're going to announce, and right, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting, you know. Obviously, you know Tony Stewart did a great job with the All Stars, and you know took it from uh, you know basically almost a dying series to you know re- really well respected traveling series that was that's been going around quite a bit so right uh yeah no it's it's exciting um and i and i certainly appreciate tony you know trusting us with with everything he's built so um yeah i think in the in the you know not not so near future uh we'll be able to shed some more information on what our plans are how did tony react to you guys coming to him and trying to buy the all-stars what what was his first reaction to you on that uh, I don't, that's not exactly how it went down. Uh, I think Tony was, you know, in a point in his life where he has other things going on and, right. um, you know, I think that he was, he was ready to, to, you know, pot potentially, you know, find, find someone else that, that wanted to take it with, with the same passion and, and run it. And, um, you know, so it's just, there's just conversations had and, uh, yeah, I think he's excited that he's got, you know, he's married, he has, uh, drag racing going on he has a cup team he has eldora he has got a lot of irons in the fire and you know i think when you're doing something like the the series there's you know it, it's a lot more of a hands-on type of deal and and um you know so i think 
you know, he wasn't going to just sell it to anybody, obviously. Uh, Tony right. wanted it to go to, to someone with the same passion and desires uh, that he has for sprint car racing. And I think we aligned with that. And, uh, you know, obviously that's why we uh, were able to acquire it. How would you evaluate this uh, first full season of the High Limit Series uh, this year, how you thought things went and how you base on how things went of what your plans might be for the future? Yeah, I mean, you never know when you're diving into something, but there's only one way to learn, and that's to go do it. And uh, obviously there was mistakes had, and, um, you know, there was some great racing along the way. And, uh, you know, I think it's just it was better than I expected as far as the energy around our events. And I thought we made improvements, you know, throughout the year on the efficiency side of things. Uh, you know, we just we just use each event as a, as a you know, a learning tool to, to try to do better for the next event. Um, you know, I think we had, we had some mistakes officiating, uh, but we recovered and, uh, you know, we, we had a good safety team, you know, with us at all of our events with MedStar. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would say it went better than I hoped. Uh, I wasn't sure really what to expect or set goals, you know, just, just wanted to kind of get out there and see how it went. And, um, uh, yeah, so it just makes me excited that our vision and, and you know, kind of what we, you know, basically proof of concept worked, uh, kind of what we were thinking as raising the purses and, and doing this, some of this stuff. So hopefully all that can translate into, you know, what our future plans hold. Let, let me ask you, I'm sure Kyle wants to run as many midweek shows as possible. Do you plan on trying to run a bunch of midweek shows? Yeah, I mean, obviously Kyle's a huge asset for sprint car racing, so we'd be, you know, crazy not to, you know, be exploring of, of which events Kyle can come to, and obviously we're able to elevate the purses at those events, and, uh, you know, that, it, you know, essentially helps <laughs> other drivers and teams, um, you know, that, that are able to, to come to those bigger paying events that get the, that national exposure um, that those events get. So, yeah, certainly, you know, obviously, you know, Kyle's, you know, partner in all this, and uh, you know, we, we don't want to get too far away from, you know, um, what the high limits set out to do. So, yeah, certainly looking at, at every possibility of, of what's going to be, you know, great for the sport. How much do you see yourself behind the wheel of a race car over the next several years? Obviously not a, a full World of Outlaw campaign, but how much do you see yourself behind the wheel of a car and promoting the high limit series? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some of that will be part of our announcements coming. Um, you know, it's it's exciting times, obviously, for us, but Napa Auto Parts has uh, been a great supporter of mine. And, you know, we have many years left together, and, and I, you know, I can definitely see myself, you know, being a full-time racer, um, you know, into the, into the future here. I don't know how many years that is, but uh, just kind of taking it one year at a time and, and uh, obviously want to just close this championship out here in Charlotte and then, um, you know, it, it, we'll be able to regroup as a race team, you know, here at Casey Kane Racing and, and hopefully make some, some great future plans together. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let, let me ask you this. Um, do, do you feel like that you're still at the peak of your career right now as a driver? Because, listen, there's nobody better at averaging fifth-place finishes than you are right now. Do you feel like you're still at the top of your game right now? Yeah, I mean, I actually do. I mean, there was probably a time, you know, in the last two years where, you know, like any driver, you can get 
get a little bit down and, and feel like you're not you know, at the peak. But, um, you know, towards the end of the season here, I felt like, you know, we were winning races and, and got a good handle on our race car, and I kind of felt, you know, like myself again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just like anything, it's it's up and down, um, and you got to have a good team around you. you got to have good handling race cars. And, um, yeah, I mean, as long as we're winning championships and, and competing for wins night in and night out, I mean, you know, it's when you're not, it's when you, when you see the fall off, you know, it's usually too late. You know, and that's, that's what's always, you know, been on my, been in my mind is it's different for every driver. You know, you might be 38, you might be 44, you might be like Steve Kinder and be winning races until you're 50. But, right. uh, you know, I just, I just want to make sure that I'm positioning myself to make the right decision for me and my family. Um, you know, that's why the promoting stuff and, and the business side of the stuff, you know, is, is starting to happen for me. It's, because I want to be able to make the decision to end my driving career, not based off of the fact I have to make a living driving a race car. I want to have, you know, other forms of income so I can make uh, the decision when the timing's right. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about the money out there and focus on the drivers. But how much of a challenge is it nowadays to keep a crew traveling the whole series <laughs> and working on these race cars? That's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think the whole business model you know, it is tricky. Uh, it's really expensive to run these cars up and down the road and, and crew guys are, you know, a big part of the expense, but you, you know, crew guys are also what, what make the world go around and, and make these cars go fast. So, um, you know, you, you spend money to get the best guys and then, uh, you know, it, you need to be seeing a return on that investment. And so, you know, I think that's on the promoting side, that's, you know, something that's very important to us is, trying to make this business a little more sustainable for these owners and uh it's something we're working on uh, the last question i, I want to ask you is it going to be called high limits or is it going to be called the all-stars yeah <laughs> uh, you're trying to pry that information i love it i love all the good questions but right. you know that's that's something that we're going to save for the for the announcement we want everything to be a a surprise we know there's lots of speculation and, and lots of you know, rumors and excitement going around, uh, you know, regarding everything. And, um, you know, I think when we announce everything, it'll be a real clear picture for, for everybody. And, and obviously, hopefully, everyone will be as excited as we are. I got one final question for you. Uh, the, the impact of what streaming has done for dirt track racing right now, uh, Dirt Vision with World of Outlaws, you got Flow over on the other side. Just talk about the impact that has had on racing dirt track racing in general and where you see that all going in the future yeah i mean uh, there's there's definitely um you know whenever anything evolves there's always pros and cons and i think you know everybody's this is evolving at a high rate of speed as far as what streaming's doing for for dirt track racing you know on one hand it's it's growing the fan base you know exponentially and uh, you know, to me, there's more people in, engaged in, in dirt track racing because of streaming and, uh, you know, but it seems like it may be hurting a little bit of the local level at track weekly type programs because, in my opinion, I think the, the it's not that they stay home and watch their local track on right. Dirt Vision or Flow. They stay home and they watch the World of Outlaws or they watch the All-Stars or they watch these high limit races. They're watching you know, the, the superstars of the sport um, right. is what I think happens. And I think, um, you know, then when they come to town, our crowds are still really, really good. So it's not hurting the, the top level of, of sprint car racing. 
um, and, and it's arguably still helping even the regional levels um, because those shows are big enough, but it's the local level that we're seeing maybe, you know, less and less fan base, but some of that arguably could be uh, the culture's changing too. And, right. you know, just the, the weekly type program going out to your local track every Friday and Saturday night. There's more competition. Let's face it, the the generations are changing. You know, the older fan bases of, of our sport, the traditional old school race fans are getting older. You know, so maybe they're not coming to the track as much. And the, and the younger generation, I just think, is going to be a, a tougher generation to get to come, you know, more often. I think you're going to have to, to really work on uh, that generation. <laughs> it's, a, right. it's a whole new world uh, coming up. And so, I mean, I think that's, that's part of, you know, how to grow the sport. I think it's, uh, you know, debatable and, and I'm sure, you know, everybody has their own opinion on it. And, uh, but I guess the overall view of, of streaming is uh, it's certainly, you know, helping the sport grow. Um, right. there's, there's definitely a lot more fans engaged in watching dirt track racing. I, I've been saying it for a long time. Weekly racing might be a thing of the past because these weekly tracks, uh, a lot of these promoters are trying to operate through the back gate. They're trying to get enough cars there, and then you're there till 1 in the morning trying to watch these races, and nobody wants to be there till 1 in the morning watching these races. And, and I just feel like the weekly racing series um, at, at your weekly racetrack is starting to fizzle out a little bit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say, you know, there's going to be certain niche markets that are going to be able to sustain weekly racing, um, you know, in, in certain areas where there's maybe less to do for their fan base. Maybe it's the, the place, you know, maybe that's the place to hang out, you know, is, is at the local track. But I agree. I think, you know, the old school promoting and, and some of the old traditional type stuff is not going to work, you know, as we evolve here. Um, it, it's, you know, I call it the newspaper days. You know, we, we're in the instant gratification. You know, news is popping up on your phone every two seconds. Uh, right. You know, like everything's moving faster. So, you know, getting fans to sit through a four- or five-hour program isn't what they want. I mean, look at what's happening with the baseball. You know, they're, they're having to speed the show up. It's, right. They're losing their fans, too. You know, it's, you got to evolve. I mean, that's just the way the world works. And uh, weekly racing, to me – you know, there's certain places that will work and then certain places where you're going to have to evolve. And, yep. you know, maybe, you know, Eldora's models, a better model for a lot of racetracks across the country. I mean, that's it, like certainly as a business owner, you always got to be looking to evolve and, and try to stay as current as possible with, with what your customer base wants. And yep. uh, there's going to be tracks that, that are able to do that. There's going to be series that are able to do that. And then there's going to be, you know, people that aren't going to be able to, to kind of evolve and, you know, understanding you know the the changing world and the you know the new generations coming coming forward. So yeah, I think it's something that you you definitely have to pay attention to. Um, you know, as a as a leader and an influencer in any industry. Yep, a lot of gray hairs up in the grandstands right now. That's what I see. A lot of gray hair people up there. Yeah, but a lot of young people too. You know, there's a lot right. of young people, but keeping them engaged is, is going to be different than keeping the the gray hair guy. And and that's you know the gray hair gentleman that's been coming it's you know just as important of a fan as a, as a new one yeah uh, no you know so it's finding the finding the balance that that works for both because we don't want to run either fan base off um you know so we need to be respectful you know to all the different fan bases out there and, and try to 
to make sure that we're accommodating to all the different, uh, you know, uh, generations that, that are hopefully watching these races. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the show today. We can't thank you enough for doing so. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Uh, great questions, great talking, and uh, look forward to, uh, to hearing from you guys soon. Well, there you have it. That's our conversation with Brad Sweet down at the World Finals. And joining us now on the show is Mike Marler, who picked up his first win with Skyline Motorsports. Mike, how you doing? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Hey, man. You, you know, we always root for the 157. You, I don't know if you know that, but the racing boys are big fans of Mike Marler. Well, I, I did know that, and I, I appreciate that, and, and I appreciate all the support, and I think we're all in something here that we uh, we really enjoy, so it's working good for all of us, I think. How about that win on your prelim night? That was that was a fantastic victory for you, wasn't it? It was. You know, we uh, we put our we put our team together here so quickly that uh, that you know the last thing we was thinking about was actually winning. So uh, just trying to get there was the main thing. So that uh, evidently was a nice distraction from all the all the, the things you can do to beat yourself, right? So we went there and. It all just worked out, and we won the race and uh, definitely got started off on the right foot this weekend. Let's step back a little bit. You and Ronnie Delk were together for 10 years. Uh, why why end that now? Well, you know, Ronnie and I, we started off just as a hobby, you know, and and um, he wanted, to, he wanted to, to have a competitive car, but he wasn't, you know, never thinking about the level we were doing in that, I don't think. So so we started off with a gooseneck and a dually in one car and, and – uh, Got to doing well at it, and, and five years into that, you know, we won a championship, and at that point, he had kind of accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, but also kind of thought that maybe the best stuff was just right around the corner. So we've done it another five years and, and uh, you know, accomplished a lot of cool things together, and, and uh, it's just it's just kind of, you know, when I met Ronnie, he's only 47, you know, so he's had kind of a young family, you know, and, and um you know, now is uh, the kids that were in kindergarten or are in grade school, and the ones that are in middle school is going to college, and and uh, you know, it's just a lot of things changing for him, and 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 uh, you know, but it was it was a good deal. You know, we it was always it was never a, I don't think Ronnie and I ever had one crossword or anything in ten ten seasons of racing. You know, and ten years alone is just it, it's kind of like dog years. You know, so right. just uh, it was just time. You know, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, and and he was kind of doing it just for me and and uh you know he stayed in there and let me get me uh let me get some more support and and, and then you know went on so uh he, he really done us done us well hey I, I know you ran second uh ricky thornton jr did you have anything for him that night um yeah i had a i had a really good car i i, I set up uh on a harder right rear tire and a little bit tighter setup and and uh they uh they farmed the track uh more than they anticipated there was more than they said they were going to do and so which was a good thing it needed it you know they didn't do anything wrong it's just a little more than i thought they would do to it and uh so it kind of got really heavy and muddy and uh but when i finally it slowed down a little bit and uh, i was back to like 12th at one point and uh, when i got to come in there it was pretty good you know we had a we had a shot to catch him and i came up on two two guys there at the end of the race that one was in the middle and one was the bottom and ricky's around the top and there was just kind of a kind of a, a traffic jam in front of me, you know, and uh, 
I didn't get there in time, but uh, but I had a, definitely had a good car. Had a had a good enough car to win, and not saying it's any better than his. It's just circumstances, you know. At that point of the race, my tires and all that was a little better than his, so so it worked out. We had, we had a shot at it, just came up a little short. You just ran out of time, the way it looked to me, man. You put on a heck of a show, as you said. You were uh, back as far as twelfth at one time, and man, you just come picking them off one by one. Just uh, to talk about the, uh, the the racetrack itself and just uh, how you were able to maneuver up through there. Well, yeah, the man, the track was unbelievably good. You know, we we raced all over this thing, and and uh, like I say, they did did way more track prep than I thought they would do, but it really needed it. But they just kind of had been skimming a little bit on the track prep, but uh, they got it really farmed up nice for the feature, and uh, we raced all over this thing. So it was an awesome track. They do a really good job down there just with everything they got going on and as many cars. You know, they raced on it a whole week before we got there, you know. Right. So um, so it's been – it's pretty impressive that they've done that. But, yeah, we were – they threw the green, and I, I, I thought I was going to be in trouble pretty bad there, really, because I was going backwards at a fast pace, you know, early in the race, and, and – uh, Finally, got kind of sorted out a little bit and getting it kind of balanced. Then we had a caution with 15 to go, and I think under that caution, I was running about seventh or something. And then after that uh, caution, you know, uh, it, it just took off, and it was it was it came to the front after that. So it was it was pretty cool that uh, that it worked out that way. It was a really good race. Uh, uh, on one night, you you started 11th and you ran sixth. What was what was the problem with the car that night? I I didn't really have having too much of a problem really. The car was pretty good. It just uh, it was a shorter race. It was only a uh, forty or a thirty five lap race, and uh, you know the heats, uh, just the way the track was in the heat races. The track was really good on the bottom for the takeoffs, and I was I was starting outside pole in that particular heat, and uh, I pretty much knew that I wasn't gonna get to turn one first, and and uh, so I ended up running second in that heat and started eleventh and. Had a pretty good car, just just didn't didn't get there with the with the competition level where it's at right now. Um, you know, there's I, I don't know how many cars could win if you actually put a good estimate on it, but I'd say out of the seventy cars, twenty five could probably you know is is on top of their game right now. So it, it was anybody's deal every night, and and uh, you know just it's hard to get by those guys when they're all that good. You know. Yep. You know, at Eldor a few weeks ago for for the driving the Roddy Dell car, you you had as strong a car as anybody, and then the announcement made, and then you uh, hook up with Skyline. It's like you picked up where you left off here. Just uh, how how does that happen? You ran so well in in the, in the old ride, and you start off brand new, running at the front right away with Skyline. How does that happen? Well, you know, we we get we get Longhorn cars from Longhorn, and and uh, you know, Bill Sines got a lot of support for us, and there's just uh, you know a lot a lot of a lot of factory support we have, and and it's able to carry over to a new team. You know, seems I wouldn't say easily because you could go run bad real easy to you, right? So, but it, you know, we just had a good baseline to start with, and and Ronnie there, I had a lot of motivation. You know, the last you know knowing. We pretty much knew going into the season that this was probably going to be the last one, and uh, so so we had a lot of motivation motivation this year to really do you know to do Ronnie well and then try to try to accomplish all we could together while we while we while we could you know and so uh, so we had a lot of momentum coming into this uh, from that like you said and had a good car Eldor you know I really think I had a shot uh, to contend for it uh, a dirt clot hit the shock canister and broke the shock canister off about. Mm. 25 laps in or something so wow. so we kind of limped or you know had to pull off but 
But it would have been cool to have won that last one with him for sure. But we, we at least we went out on a high note, you know. We were leading the race when we when we went out after that restart. So, um, you know, it's, like I say, I can't say enough good things about how that ended. And, and now the transition in with, with Greg Bruning and, and Tyler Bruning at Skyline has been I uh, really couldn't have asked for a better transition into something than what this has been, with a, especially with the time allowed to do it. You know, we were we were thrashing pretty good. You know, just two weeks ago I had a complete other team and uh we come in and build a new car and and uh you know they brought one of the haulers down that they were using to let me get to the first race or two here with so it's been a been a lot a big transition and actually we actually sold uh ronnie's team also in the process of all this so so it's been really busy doing all this uh is tyler bruding still going to drive race car what uh, what's his role now tyler is tyler races uh yep he's going to He's, you know, I, I never realized what a big role he had in in the, within the company. You know, um, he's uh, he's he's got a lot going on there with the company, and they got quite a quite an operation to run. So, so he races when he can, you know, when, when it allows, and, and they got a kind of kind of a I wouldn't say a limited schedule, but you know, not as freely to go as I am, you know. So, so he, I think he races. You know, I'm not really sure, 40 or 50 times a year, I think, and and uh, and does pretty good at it for for especially. You know when he's when he's not really doing it professionally. You know his professional job is, uh, you know, in his in his in his other environment there. So so he's pretty tough. Uh, I was I was really impressed to learn kind of what everything he had on his shoulders and still being able to balance that and run as good as he does at racing. I was actually pretty impressed to see all that. I, I wasn't aware of that going into this. How hey. many how many races are you going to run next year, um, Mike? Do you have well, a when plan? When I sit down with Greg. Well, not really. When I sat down with Greg there, I told him I'd run 106 this past season, and this year here I was down a little bit. I was only going to run about 80. Uh, you know, I took Carson Brown racing as a developmental driver, uh, you know, quite a bit this year. So, so, uh, so yeah, we we I missed a little more than I usually would this year, but I don't know. You know, you don't want to. You got to race enough that you're on your A game, but not so much that you got the equipment running the ground either. You know, so it's just kind of a fine line and. And uh, I know we we talked a little bit about serious things and this and that, and I think we're all just kind of more focused on having a team that's capable of winning, and and less emphasis put on where where we're going to do it or or what with what series or whatever. You know, the main right. thing, main focus now is just how to get the best equipment and get the best people in place. You know, and so far so good. How many cars do you need to run a full season, and how many motors do you need? Well, you need um, you obviously you're going to always carry two cars with you, and, right, and right. Um, you need to have one at the shop that's you know decent enough put together that you could come back. And our goal is to have three, and, and as far as motors go, maybe five. Uh, if you don't have too many problems, you can do it with five. Just just all, you know, and it all depends on who you're, who's doing your engines and how fast they can get them turned around. You know, but yeah, but uh, but I think we can do it with five engines and and, and three cars. And hopefully the third car just sits on jack stands at the shop all season, and you don't ever have to have it. But if you ever just really, really mess one up bad, uh, you need to be able to put put that car into play, you know, pretty quick. So yeah. So that's uh, Ronnie and I did it most honestly most of the time with two cars and four engines for years. So yeah. So uh, you don't have to have as much as you think if you're if you're you know able to stay out of the wrecks and not blow the motors up you know it goes a long way right how how often do you have to freshen up those motors how how many races do you have to freshen those up uh we 
do like by laps it's about uh, 1300 laps on one so uh, depending on the length of the races but you could say you could put one in and run it pretty hard for two to three months before you pretty much you know you need to get it out of there and get it freshened so yep. so uh they're pretty durable man for what they go through we we try to tear them up down every straightaway you know and uh, they're pretty impressive motors really the, the fact that they go through what they go through you know and you're going to stay with the same engine builder you used to working with well, you know, I, I so I used Cornets for years, and and uh, when COVID deal hit with uh, with you know the the task it is to just get parts now, uh, we started using some from Glenn Clements, which builds a really good engine, and then and then actually uh, Glenn so backed up. We even I even got one from Vic Hill, so I've got a Vic Hill uh, and uh, Clements with um, with the Bruning team. And, uh, you know, any of those guys, there's there's a handful of engine builders there that are really, really top of the line. And uh, you can, you know, you can get the job done with any of them. And uh, so so that's uh, – that's uh, I've been in a good position there. It's kind of a weird position because I'm not really really tied to exactly any any one certain one, but they all work with me and we all learn from each other. And right. I think everybody kind of knows and understands the deal that it's just – you know, at this point, when you're trying to run 80 or 100 races a year, uh, and you know you can't get parts here or there, and that, that's honestly the only thing since the COVID deal that's not really got better is that side of things. You know, it's it's been really hard to get engine yeah. parts. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we're we're using uh, two to three uh, a lot of times uh, different engine builders just to be able to just to be able to get on the track that many times. One of our loyal listeners says that uh, Marie, she's one of our loyal listeners from pennsylvania she says she loves the red car mike yeah that's uh i appreciate that yeah that she she's uh she's right on target with a lot of people i was i was a little worried you know going into this uh because it's a it's a you know polar opposite of what we had with the blue car you know so so uh it's been well received Uh, a lot of the fans at charlotte really uh said that they liked it and and uh I was a little worried that it may not uh, go over that well, but it seems to have already kind of found its place, and, and a lot of people are saying they like it, and we got to give a, a huge shout-out to Capital uh, Graphics and Night Owl Designs. You know, between those two guys, they really uh, knocked this one out of the park, you know. Well, we're happy that you're able to keep that 157 number. That's your, that's your number. Yep, yep, that was uh, – that. So when I that was my dad's old number fifty seven when he was born in nineteen fifty seven. So uh, so I adopted that, and when I was running modifieds, uh, I was running uh, I was running uh, so many against so many different cars. And back then, you know, when I first started, there wasn't a, a race saver or a, or electronic lineups. You know, it was all on a chalkboard on the side of the pit shack, right? So uh, so they'd have fifty seven M and X and J and whatever. So I ended up making it a three digit number to. Save, save some confusion and a couple of years ago i started to go back to the original 57 and uh the fans let me know real fast that they didn't like that so we got back on the 157 and i guess that's here to stay and i'm glad that uh bruning let me uh let me uh keep that you know it's that's been a you know i guess sometimes we do this so much we don't realize what it what it means and how much right. uh, how much impact it has out so so it's been around a long time now and that's kind of our identification and and uh the 157 saying we went to red and I'm getting a lot of good response from it, so I think it's going to go over good. Another uh, listener that we have out there in uh, PA, she says, uh, 
Who cannot root for Mike Marler? He's first class both on the track and off the track. So just so you know, right. you've got a, we, we've got a lot of loyal Mike Marler fans that listen to this show. Man, I appreciate that, and that's awful nice uh, compliment to hear. Uh, you know, I try to try to race hard, and 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 still, uh, you know, do to me as I'd want to, or, you know, do to others as I'd want done to me. You know, and that's kind of a golden rule. I try to try to go by that, and sometimes I get a little stupid and that, and, and <laughs> get off target, but I try not to. You know, so uh, I appreciate her saying that, and and uh, I do have a lot of loyal fans. You know, through. You know, I planted the seed a long time ago, and I'm just seeing, you know, in the last five, ten years, I'm seeing the fruits of that now. And, and, and it's uh, really enjoyable to be able to go around the country and, and you know, perform and meet these fans and, and, and see what it all means to them. You know, because at the end of the day, we're all, you know, you, me, them, we're all just, we're all just uh, really one big family that loves dirt racing. We all, takes everybody to do it, and I drive the car and, and, and takes the fans to watch and, and enjoy and it's just a, it's a, it's a, a big network of people that are all like-minded, and I think we all, uh, all have a good thing here. So it's, it's been, uh, been very enjoyable. I, I really appreciate. Uh, I love to hear something like that. Uh, lets me know I'm on the right path, right? Uh, you know, one track that's really close to our hearts is Knoxville Raceway, and you've had so much success up there. And uh, Tyler Bruning, you're, you know, I thought he was going to win that race a couple of years ago. Uh, not this past year, but a year ago when they ran that day show up there. But uh, you and Tyler hooking up, uh, Knoxville's got to be a big deal. You know, it is. Uh, um, yeah, Tyler, he was so close that day. I was up on the trailer. I actually uh, had pulled in and, and, and didn't finish the race. And I was up on the trailer watching, and I was rooting for him. You know, he, he was just so close to pulling that off. And, and uh, he uh, he was really good in a lot of a lot of races last year. And, and uh uh, he was, he was pretty tough. He's a pretty tough competitor for sure, but you know, hooking up with him and Greg, uh, is really a cool thing. And Iowa in general has been a really good state to me. You know, we've won a lot of races at a lot of tracks out there, got a lot of fans and, and, uh, you know, we got uh, one of our main sponsors, uh, Craig Lindsay, the, the K&M that's on our car. That's, that's where he's, he's from and, and the home of our family out there and, all the guys at performance bodies and just, uh, you know, uh, so many people and, and friends and family and your know, friends and fans out there that we've met through the years. Um, you know, it's kind of a, kind of been a good place for us for sure. And, and, uh, something about Iowa just keeps being better and better to us. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's cool, cool to hook up with Greg and Greg and Tyler and their passion in the deal is, is, uh, you know, is, is up there with anything I've ever seen is, as far as dedication and commitment and, and the desire to do well at it. So so I think this is going to be um, a really good deal, and I, I hope I can come in and and get them where they want to be within their team. And, and uh, you know, on down the road, you know, they told me that, uh, you know, they, they you know when I'm done, retired out or whatever, uh, you know, they want to put a new driver in the car and go forward. So they, they got a long-term plan in store for, for their team, and, and I'm hopeful I can finish my career there and and uh, get them set up for success, you know, on down the road too. So right. So it, it should be a great deal, and I'm I'm happy to, that they happy that they basically let me uh, take the steering wheel of this thing and just kind of steer it. And, and so far, so good for sure. Hey, uh, we were just showing showing some of your merchandise uh, on the screen. How can people buy your merchandise from you? 
Well, go to go to Race Ranch. Um, they they you know you, you can get them on Facebook or they got a website also. But Race Ranch handles everything for me. And uh, Matt there, Matt James is doing an unbelievable job, just keeping good looking stuff and knows what the fans want. And and uh, we're, we're in our in our changeover there. We had some stuff for Charlotte and and uh, got really low on it. But they're back now printing more and, and coming up with some new stuff. And uh, we got a pretty uh, pretty cool new shirt they're going to come out with here that'll. It'll be out here in the next week or two. That's going to be pretty cool. So uh, it's going to kind of help uh, help uh, solidify the change, you know. So it's, yeah. it's going to be a good deal. But, yeah, just go to Race Ranch, and they'll have everything you need. All right, Mike. Well, we can't thank you for taking the time to join us. I know it was a last-minute call for you. But, uh, man, you, you, you're always so nice to the racing boys. We can't appreciate you more. And we are always going to root for the 157, just so you know that. Are, are you going to do any more races here? Uh, are there any races to run here in in November? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the ra- racing boys uh, are, you know, are mean a lot to me, and and uh, I wear my racing boys shirts every time I can, and and uh, uh, I really enjoy uh, getting to come on here, guys. Every time I get to talk to you, we're we're doing something right, right? So yep, no doubt so about it's, it. It's going good, and I appreciate you having me on. But yeah, we're going to go to Sonoy, Georgia this week. Cool. Uh, they got a, a flow series races down there. It's uh, I think a twenty and a fifty this week. So wow. So um, I might be. I know the I know the finale there. The the second show is uh the second show is a uh, fifty. I think the first one's even twenty. So it's gonna be a big race this weekend down there, and gonna be a lot of good cars, and it'll be it'll be a hornet's nest probably about like Charlotte was. So everybody can tune in on, on flow race and watch that one. We'll All be right, watching Mike. for sure. Hey, Mike, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate you, man. And uh, we're always going to be pulling for the 157, so just so you know that. Guys, I appreciate you. i got to give a shout-out to my buddy Mark Dotson. I know he's probably listening out there. So uh, yeah. he's out in your neck of the woods, probably in, probably on the uh, on the log uh, loader today, so, or on the uh, log cutter, I'm sorry. So is, he's a, he's a we know guy. We know Mark hard very racing. well. Hey, is he still, oh. is he still uh, part of your team? Is he still a sponsor of your team? Well, in in the Bruning deal here, they have a lot of their own sponsors. So so uh, you know we got Truck Country and and some things like that on the car where Mark what Mark had his name on on Ronnie's car. So he's not got his name on the car, but uh, but he's a huge ally for me and and somebody that I uh, put a lot of confidence in his thoughts and and I've called and asked him for a whole lot of advice over the years. So. So he's uh he's he's been very helpful to me, you know, on on the track and off the track. So yep. can't say enough good things about him and Kim and everything they've done to help me and my wife, you know, uh make it through the make it through the world a little better, you know. So yep. we really uh, really appreciate them and uh, hope hopefully they're listening. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate you. All right, guys, y'all have a good one. Good See luck y'all. this weekend. All right, good luck to you this weekend. Thanks. All right, there you have it, Mike Muller. Do do we want to take a break right here, Todd? Yeah, we'll take a quick break and come back and get a hold of it. Take a quick break, and we'll be back with more of Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. When we come back, Trenton Berry's going to join us next, right here on Mostly Motorsports. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. 
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Stradius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Stradius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together uh, to support us, and we realized, no, 
we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We can't thank enough to have Chase Rodman on, Brad Sweet, Mike Marler, and we're going to get Trenton Berry on here in just a moment to talk a little bit about modified racing. They didn't have a good weekend, did they, Kurt? What's that? Who? Racing dirt. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Well, they just didn't have that many races. I think they had the OCRS race at Caney Valley on the air. And they had a bad so, week last week. But uh, the, the rain the rainouts for race and dirt, that's been the big yeah. problem this year. But uh, they didn't have all that they much. They needed to have an arc tied onto that truck of theirs yeah. because that's how much rain. Yeah, they, they, got, they had some. Uh, Mother Nature didn't treat them very well. The USMTS on some of their big events this year, so. Uh, we've been talking about that, but uh, let's talk about what's going on at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. Two big sweepstakes going on. Uh, one is uh, the sprint car, the Triple X 410 sprint car, uh, is uh, the the big sweepstakes that they'll draw for in December of 2024, a year from now, and uh, they've done this uh, numerous times down through the years, giving away a full-fledged 410 sprint car with the engine, everything. Go to winasprintcar.com to get signed up for that. And also, the Corvette is going to be given away again in 2024, and this time it's a torch red Corvette with a Z07 performance package. It's convertible this time. They're going to be given away next August, week after the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, the Corvette plus the $25,000 cash, so you can pay the taxes on it, which is a great thing. That'll be the grand prize winner in 2024. Get signed up for that by going to winaz06corvette.com. Winaz06corvette.com to get signed up for that. And all of this raises money for the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. The Brian Clausen Suite Tower was built a few years ago, and uh, Bob Baker and all of the uh, team up there at Knoxville have done a great job 
keeping that National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum going strong. And not sure what the salute is in 2024. They had the Williams Grove track salute, Ascot Park the year before that. And they'll be making announcements of what's coming up in 2024. And while you're at it, check out all of the great stuff in the gift shop, SprintCarStuff.com, to uh, check out all of the great stuff in the gift shop. The National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open the year-round, with the exception of some holidays. Uh, but uh, that Sprint Car stuff, you can go online and order up some great items from the gift shop at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. Yeah, yesterday, I don't know, I was a little disappointed. I've, I knew William Byron was my pick for the big race yesterday. And I thought there for a minute there, Kirk, I had it locked in. I, I, I mean, he looked really tough. And Christopher Bell, obviously he went out early with that with that problem with his brakes. Man, that was – Had a brake rotor explode boy, on it, And, you know, we saw that earlier. Man, I, I hated that for him. Yeah, we saw that earlier in the season. You know, we saw a lot of issues with those brake ravers getting hot and blowing up. And, man, he – he was getting so close to that wall, and I think he knew damn well that brake rotor was going. He was going to lose something, and uh, like they always say, be closer to the wall when you hit it. That way it doesn't right. hurt so bad. So he was lucky, that, but there was just no chance for him to uh, come back after that. And then, obviously, with Larson and in there, he, he was— William the, Byron? I mean, Bill Byron was my pick. Like I said, I, I, I figured Byron was going to win this thing. Um but what we said right before we went away was Blaney's got the best chance because he's got the he's the hottest driver coming into this we last race. We just had race. the best car, and he just had everything kind of going for him, you know. And and uh, that says a lot, boy. Did you see the emotional uh, wrap up with Kevin Harvick with his pit crew in the pit stay in the thing? They had a yeah. Uh, they had a big uh, <laughs> celebration because you know this, that was it. That was, that was it. That was it. Final race, and he. Um, was he, was he, he emotional? Very emotional. He broke. You don't see Kevin break up that much, right? He, he said so after the race. He said, now, I get emotional. A lot of people don't see it, yeah, but I am an emotional guy. Boy, he, he admitted that. He let it show yesterday. Yeah. And uh, what I, what a lot of people don't know with, with the race, with me, with the racing boys is, is when I first started coming and, and being in the, in the press room and the victory lane stuff, Kevin Harvick was there a lot back in the day. Whether it be, no matter what he raced, he was in that he was in there a bunch, and we saw those kids. You know, I saw those kids in that victory lane, Kirk, and I thought to myself, I've seen those kids grow up from little little guys, and that that son no of doubt. his, he's a big kid, you know, and and I said, you know, he's been around a very long time, and he deserves, uh, you know, everything he's getting with him, and and it was really good. They had a really big toast at the end with all of the pit people and he made a really nice speech and i thought that was really good you know that and they showed part of that and so uh, you can find that that on social media that's a really good post well kevin harvick's career started off uh unlike anybody's career has Absolutely. ever started is when dale earnhardt senior was killed at daytona it was kevin harvick they looked to to put behind the wheel of that race car they changed the number on it 29 and they go to Atlanta not long after <laughs> Dale Earnhardt lost his life. And, and he beats game. Jeff Gordon by a nose at the start-finish line. And that was his start to his cup career. And, you know, th th to say that you'd, you'd hate to say that 
a, a, a win would be more emotional for the driver or the team and the owner and the, the crew members than it would be for a guy getting his first win. But to see the win, you know, the look on those crew guys' face after they won that race, you know, just weeks after Dale had passed away, I mean, you know, it was it was emotional for everybody. And uh, what a better way to kick your career off and to, to knock the door in like that, right? Just well, Harvick said, Harvick said he, you know, that was his biggest win of his whole career. I mean, Absolutely. here's a guy that won the won Daytona the 500. <laughs> he won a couple of, well, I think he won three Brickyard 400s. He won the Coca-Cola 600 a couple of times. He'd won all the big races, but he still says that first win beating Jeff Gordon at Atlanta was the biggest win I'm of his sure, career. I'm sure it feels that way. You know, the, the highlight of my career, really, is I got to see Dale Earnhardt win his last race at Talladega. Yeah, when 2000. He came, when he came from 17th to win the race, and he had uh, Kenny Wallace pushing him all the way to the front. And then... I was at Daytona the year he passed away. You were there when he uh, lost his life. You were in the stands when that happened. I was in the stands uh, when he lost his life. Yeah, that 2000 race at Talladega, that goes down as one of the great races of all time. No, no doubt. doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, but congratulations to Ryan Blaney. Absolutely. He is a deserving champion. Well deserved. If you would have told me back in August that Ryan Blaney yeah. would be the champion, I'd think you're crazy. He'd won just one race the whole year. He won the Coca-Cola 600 yeah. in uh, May. I but he didn't really do all that no. well during the summer. But it, to me, Talladega in October is what really turned it around for Ryan Blaney. He won that race at Talladega by 12 thousandths of a second at the line. And then to go to Martinsville and win that race, uh, he certainly had the momentum coming in, and he certainly had the best race car. I don't think – I can't imagine what any more Kyle Larson and his team could have done. They got him yeah. in and out of the pits uh, in the lead. It just uh, – he just didn't have a good enough race car that uh, to win. Well, this was – I think this win for Blaney as a champion is good for NASCAR overall because he's a younger guy, right? He's somebody that you don't have – real harsh feelings for one way or the other right so therefore he's going to bring a lot of people that and he had a lot of fans have been with them and the blaney family for a long time man so you know it does i and i like to see some new guys win it every once in a while it it always sucked to me when we'd be at kansas speedway it's the same guy in the press room because it gets boring but when a new guy would get in there and it was their first time being at a new place winning at a track man it's it's just great to see and blaney He's he's a he's a good cat, man. I mean, you know, he's a straight up cat. So I well, uh, happy for the Blaney family. Absolutely, uh, we knew his family. I I even uh, I didn't know him personally, but I knew about his grandpa, Lou Blaney, who was a great race car driver. Dave Blaney, we saw him win a World of Outlaw Championship. Saw him won the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, one year, saw him win the Chili Bowl. Dave Blaney is a Chili Bowl champion, and to watch his son now become a Cup champion, a real feel really good about uh, what the Blaney family yeah, is celebrating today I because of the history that we've seen in sprint car racing uh, for Ryan Blaney to uh, win this championship. That's really cool. Yeah, no answer. Yeah, um, yeah that, that kind of cements your, that name of uh, Blaney in, you know, all facets of the racing world. You know, you got Chili Bowl champion and a next 
and a NASCAR champion all in the same family, all within the same yeah. heritage, within the same, you know, all living at the same time. So, like you said, that's it's awesome. And like you said, this NASCAR season, it's a long season. A lot of people don't like it because it is so long. Um, but but just to kind of go back and see all the, the things that went on during this year and to know what's going to happen, I'd be kind of interested to get um, old Steve Post on during the next few months when we have our downtime. Yeah, we, 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 we need to get him back on. Because yeah. he always has a good wrap-up. And then also he, Steve has all of his feet in the – fire with all the sprint car stuff too so uh, we'll get maybe get next week how about that yep. like i said steve's always a great guy to catch up on and i'm sure he he's ready to good friend of the race yeah course. he's and he's always ready to take a break when the race the nascar side ends and he's always willing to talk dirt racing so we he's a he's a good two two car racing guest hey so hey todd your clock is uh, blinking there. You know what that means, right? That means that we sh- we should wrap it's up. It's almost time to wrap up, guys. Right. We tried to get a hold of Trenton, but he didn't answer. And I think he was I there was something going on with the phone. It didn't went right to voicemail, so maybe he was maybe he's getting pulled over. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> you right. never know. So yeah. Yeah. we'll hook up, we'll with, hook him. up with him yeah. again. He's going to be a part of the Gateway Nationals at the Absolutely. Dome coming yep. up here. Yeah, we can get a good weeks, preview so preview I, I, of that. I might go down there to this. Well, this hope, year's race. hopefully, you know, a couple of years ago we had the bad snow and ice, and maybe this year we'll dodge that, and it'll be a good race for everybody to drive on out there. Yep, no doubt. All right. Okay, guys. thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We can't thank our guest enough, uh, Chase Rodman, Brad Sweet, Mike Marler, and uh, we didn't get Trenton Berry on this week, so we'll catch up with him next week as well all right for todd surprise uh, our extraordinary producer does a great job for us each and every week for todd uh, for kirk elliott i'm scott trailer saying thanks for joining us we'll see you next week right here on mostly motorsports stronger with rod and supply whether you are running industrial farming equipment or race car rod and supply has the assortment of rod ends radius rods and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better giving you the edge on the track and saving you money contact rod and supply or order online today at rod we don't just sell them we race them rod serving the racing community for over 30 years